And thank you, church. You are a generous church. Thank you for all of you who have um, picked up boxes uh, to, for Operation Christmas Child. And um, thank you uh, to those of you who are going to. You're still time to do that this week. And uh, next week is the final week. So um, I'm just so encouraged by your generosity. Grateful to be here and grateful to meet today. Um, even though we have some gloomy, it's kind of a gloomy day outside and, and uh, you know, a lot of you are at home and I'm grateful that you have the opportunity to join us virtually and uh, thank you for keeping that as a priority. Today we're going to continue uh, in, with our hope in adversity from 1 Peter. Today we're going to look at chapter 3, verses 8 through 12. Encourage you to find that passage in your Bible, in your uh, in your smartphone, on your U version, First um, Peter chapter three, verses eight through twelve. In 2016, Dalen McLee, a black man, was arrested and sent to prison for one year before he was ultimately acquitted. On the night of his arrest, McLee said that he had been at home when his sister had called him who was at a bar, and a fight had broken out, and she was afraid, and she wanted um, Dalen to come and pick her up. When he arrived at the bar, he had encountered a man in the parking lot with a gun. And so uh, Dalen uh, engaged with the man and removed the gun and threw it aside. At the same time, uh, Pennsylvania State Troopers were on the scene, and when they saw Dalen with that gun, they started shooting at him. And um, so Dalen ran from the scene. He was arrested and sent to prison because of the testimony of the white officer who said Dalen had pointed the gun at him two different times. Um, after one year in jail, McClee was finally released after video footage verified his story that he had um, discarded the, he had disarmed the man with a gun and he had thrown the gun aside and that he indeed was there to pick up his sister. Fast forward now to Father's Day. This past Father's Day, uh, McLee was at home with his three kids when he heard a very uh, loud explosion in the front of his home. It rocked his house, and he, he went outside, and a police cruiser had crashed uh, near the front of his house and uh, exploded into flames. And the crowd gathered around. Other police officers joined in, and... Um, McClee would exclaim later, he said, I believe God took over then. Next thing I know, I was ripping the door uh, and I pulled him out and, and took him further across the street. McClee was honored for a life-saving uh, award in his local city by the city council. And it was a big event and the news were there. Two pastors spoke for him and the impact that that had. His sacrificial behavior had had a huge, huge impact on the entire community. 
and he was uh, interviewed. And here's what he said. He said, we need to work on our humanity. That's the main problem of this world. We're stuck on how to get up or how to get even. And that's not how I was raised to be. You learn, you live, you move on. And, and catch this. I was always taught to forgive big. You can't base every day of your life on one interaction you have with one individual. I don't want to be called a hero. I just want to be known as an individual who is an upstanding man. And then he said, and I hope that, referring to the trooper, uh, the white state trooper that fired his gun at McLee and went to court and accused him of pointing the gun at him. He said, I hope he sees this and knows he's forgiven. Dalen McClee illustrates what the Apostle Paul instructs us in our passage today, uh, in beginning with 1 Peter 3, and I'm going to read verses 8 and 9 as we start together right now. So please, uh, please have a look at that passage. And Peter writes... Finally, all of you be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. Peter writes in the first century where Christians are facing hard times. Uh, he begins with how to cope in this adversity. And it's so important. And this is what he addresses in verse 8. We need biblical community. And that's why he says in verse 8, finally, and, and finally, when he, when he does that, he doesn't mean, well, this is the end. This is how we like to do it. If you say finally, it means you've got to be at the end. What he's saying here is this, this brings... Uh, my last section from verse, uh, chapter 2, verse 11, this brings this section to a conclusion. He says, all of you, he's talking to the churches, be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. This is how you're going to get through this. And um, these are essentials for a Christ-honoring biblical community. First, be like-minded. Another, another uh, version says live in harmony. It means to be on the same page with biblical values under the lordship of Christ, having the same mind, that is the mind of Christ. Now, he's not uh, saying we're not individuals or we're not a very diverse group or we don't have individual personalities. He's not saying that at all. He's just saying we, we agree that Jesus is Lord. Also, be sympathetic, Peter writes. Be tender-hearted. Uh, that's like different than hard-hearted or cold. Identifying with the needs and hurts of others like Jesus would do. Uh, it's about sharing care and concern. Be sympathetic. And he says, love one another. And this isn't agape love or sacrificial love, although it would be sacrificial. It's brotherly love. It's love of family. Because we are children of God. Um, 
Families aren't perfect, but they look out for one another. They care for each other. They make family a priority. And then he sees, says uh, to be humble. And if you've been around uh, the Bible very much, uh, you know that um, this, this value for community was revolutionary in the first century. Uh, in the Greco-Roman world, in Peter's day, humility was viewed as a weakness. But God picked it as a high value for his people. So being like-minded, being sympathetic toward one another, loving one another like family, because we are the family of God, and being humble. These are uh, trademarks of biblical community. And here's Peter's point. We need this community as we deal with adversity. The church needed it in Peter's day just as much as we need it today in adversity we face. Um, and this is the community where we find hope in adversity. Um, the writer of Hebrews in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25 uh, says this. He says, uh, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. This is what happens in true biblical community. This is what happens uh, when we gather. And the church has been doing this for 2,000 years, meeting together, focusing on the, the Word of God, worshiping together, having the same life experiences building relationships, um, having the same life story together, and um, through it, to spur one another to love, moving us uh, to growth, moving us to go outside of ourselves and to think about other people, and not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing but encourage one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching, meaning the day that Jesus is going to return and, and the day that begins to move toward final judgment. Um, that's why it's so important during COVID that we stay connected as a church. And... Um, a lot of people aren't, uh, don't feel safe about coming uh, and being together live. And, and I get that. I'm so grateful that we can still do this virtually. And, you know, sort of like our human response when things get hard, you know, and the winter becomes long, is to isolate and to disconnect. I'm so grateful we have this opportunity to connect virtually so we can have some of the same experiences together and the same instruction from the Word of God as a people. And um, I just want to remind us how important this will be as we continue moving through COVID together. And um, I don't know how long we'll meet in person, but we... We can meet live on Sunday morning virtually. And if that doesn't work for you, there's opportunities all through the week. Uh, 
24 hours a day, you can connect with our online worship uh, services. Um, Next, after uh, Peter tells us to pursue Christ-honoring community because we, we need each other to go through life and to handle the, the, the things that come our way. Verse 9, he says, do not retaliate. And, you know, during everything that we've been through, we've seen racial tension this year, we've, we've seen all the political uh, tension in our country that still exists, and we have COVID, and we have people out of work, and we have uh, an economy that's kind of up for grabs right now. And that just, it's putting pressure on people. And, and under pressure, they don't always do well. And they act out. And they, they often act out to hurt others. And Peter says, do not, verse 9, do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. You know, when we do this, when we seek payback, when we try to repay those who are, have offended us, when we push back in anger, when we mouth off, when we call other people names, God says, don't do it. Don't do it. God has higher values. God has kingdom values. Jesus did just the opposite when he was insulted. Uh, Jesus turned human-centered values upside down. Kingdom values are upside down to the world that we live in. And Peter applies that for us here. He says, on the contrary, repay evil with blessing. What? Repay evil with blessing. When you're offended, don't strike back. Speak blessing. The word uh, blessing here is, is uh, the word uh, for eulogy. You know, a eulogy is when you talk about somebody at their funeral. And the idea of eulogy is speaking well of them. I confess, sometimes it's very hard. But that's where this speak a blessing back to a person who has offended you. Is this easy? No, it's not easy. Do I find it easy? No, I don't find it easy. But this is like Jesus. He says, uh, Peter writes, because to this, to to repay evil with blessing, because of this, you were called so that you may inherit a, a blessing. This is why you were called to be a Christ follower, to live differently. Um, This is why you were saved from the penalty of your sin so that you would live differently and I would live differently. Um, We were called to represent Christ first and not our own personal agenda. Jesus was a revolutionary when he said in Matthew 5, verses 44 and 45, he said, "Uh, but I tell you, love your enemies. That's just totally against the grain. That's upside down to our world's values. And pray for those who persecute you. Speak a blessing over them. Take their name to God. And um, 
that you may be children of your Father in heaven. That's how you represent God. That's how people will know, guys, there's something different about you. God is the one who causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Uh, We have a chance to direct people to our God on His character, on His person. Is it easy? No way. In fact, it's impossible. Apart from Christ in us who can strengthen us. But we need to own our responsibility and we need to pursue Christ's strength. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But we often don't want that. We just want to do it our way because it feels better to do it our way. At least so we think. The Apostle Paul writes to the church in Rome in the first century in Romans chapter 12, and he says, Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. So the danger for us is we want to do God's job. We want to take the revenge. And the kingdom value is, no, don't do that. Let God do His job. He has a part, and He's going to handle evil. And he's going to handle justice. And he's going to repay what needs to be repaid. He says, for it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. Next slide. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. That's like crazy. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. God is saying to us, We have a responsibility. We do our part. And he will do his part. He can handle the justice issue. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. That's revolutionary. It's radical living for Christ. It's about doing our part and God doing his part. It's upside down thinking. I wonder if our failure in living this out, because this just doesn't fit well with Americans. Sometimes Christians in third world countries, they just get this. I think we have a different mindset in American Christianity. We struggle to have an impact in our environment. I wonder if this isn't one of the reasons because we just don't fully embrace some kingdom values like how we treat people when we're hurt or offended. The question for us is, are we satisfied holding on to the desire for revenge when we are offended? Do we want to hold on to our hurts? And that's why I love the the story about Dalen McClee, a black man who experienced racism, who was in jail for a year away from his family. He said he had a hard time getting work after that, even though he was totally exonerated. And they even made a Dalen McClee Day on June 21st to celebrate this man, 
He still has had a hard time getting a job because of his time in prison. And yet, he could forgive and he could act uh, without hatred, uh, without wanting revenge. Okay, verses 10 through 12. um, We need to work with God and not against Him. Let's let's read that passage. Verses 10 through 12. And Peter writes, For whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. This is going to get personal. They must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and the ears of the Lord are attended to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. So how do we do this? Well, first, uh, Peter would tell us in verse 10 to watch your speech, watch our speech, because our mouths get us into a lot of trouble. And then Peter quotes uh, verses 34. uh, This is Psalm 34, verses 12 through 16, beginning in verse 10. So he's quoting from the Old Testament. He says, For whoever would love life and see good days, does that interest you? To, 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 To pursue loving life and to see good days? Must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. Now, much of our hurtful speech to others happens when we have been hurt. Um, But Peter also, and we've addressed that already, but Peter also uh, mentions deceitful speech here. When we cover up the truth, when we lie, um, we can represent the facts in a way that are vague. This is deceitful speech. Um, when, we, when we don't tell the whole story, when, when we have a particular motive in why we tell a story in a certain way, God says, don't do it. It's deceitful. Verse, uh, Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 15, uh, the Apostle Paul writes, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow. This brings health in our relationships when we speak the truth in love. Uh, You know, truth is not always pleasant, is it? We're not perfect people, and sometimes people speak truth into our lives, and it's not always pleasant. But if it's shared in love, it can do good for us. So speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become, in every respect, the mature body of Him who is the head, that is the Christ. This is how we grow as Christ followers. In our relationships, we're honest. We speak truth with each other. And sometimes we, we just want to be nice. We don't, we don't want to speak the truth when somebody has offended us or somebody has stepped out of line and we could speak the truth in love and help them. Sometimes we just prefer to be nice and not say anything. But speaking the truth in our relationships, in the body of Christ, helps us to grow, helps the body of Christ be healthy. Instead, uh, speaking deceitfully, instead of speaking deceitfully, we speak the truth in love. We take the mask off 
we speak honestly. The Apostle Paul uh, writes in Ephesians 4, 29, he says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. Unwholesome talk. Talk that dishonors God. Speech that dishonors people and devalues and puts them down. Um, And then he says, So do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Speaking a blessing on someone else. Uh, Focusing on how we could build them up instead of tearing them down. How can we help? And then in verse 11, we see, Pursue peace. And this is fitting if we're going to work with God. If we're going to work, join God in what He's doing. Work with God, the God of peace. And if we want to experience the peace of God, Peter writes in verse 11, they must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace. Uh, Turn from evil and do good. It's turning. I'm walking away from God, I turn, I walk toward God, I walk with God. Uh, We call that repentance. It's really simple. It's to make a turnaround, to stop attitudes and behavior that dishonors God, to pursue doing good, to pursue a God-honoring lifestyle, to pursue peace with the God of peace. Is it easy? Easy? Not usually. We live in a very competitive world. The goal is to win, yet God has called us to higher standards. Pursuing peace is not a weakness. Now, some people just want to sort of be a peacemaker at all costs, apart from truth, just because they don't like disharmony around them. Um, pursuing peace is a kingdom value. And it's upside down to our world's approach. It's very fitting for a follower of Christ. The Apostle Paul writes in Romans chapter 12 and verse 18. He says, if it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. I can't fix everyone. I can't fix all situations, but I can be responsible for me. I don't have to be antagonistic. I don't have to speak hurtful words. I can make sure if I need to apologize, I've done my part. I can't change the other person. I can't tell the other person what to do. God is not interested at winning at all costs. God is interested in prevailing on His terms. Jesus said in Matthew 5, verse 9, He said, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Do we want to be blessed? Um, Do we want to experience God's favor on our lives? Or do we prefer doing it our own way? And now we come to the very last verse in verse 12. I think this is really an encouragement. Peter writes, For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and His ears are attentive to their prayer, But the face of the Lord 
is against those who do evil. So let's break it down. The eyes of the Lord, Peter marks that out. God sees everything, doesn't he? God is omniscient. Um, God sees our attitudes. God sees our heart. And then he, he, he refers to the ears of the Lord. God is omniscient. God is omnipresent. The, uh, God hears our words. Our words. He hears our tone of voice. He hears our prayers. That's encouraging. He hears everything. He's watching for our prayers. Uh, he is ready to take action on our behalf. Those are an encouragement for God's people. And then he says, the face of the Lord. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Uh, when God brings judgment, and this shows his omnipotence, when God brings judgment, he, he shows his face. Uh, God stands against those who do evil. And God will bring judgment against all those who do evil. A final judgment. Now, when you think about it, a Christ follower shouldn't really be in that last group where, where God shows his face against evil. We're supposed to be on the team where God is watching for the righteous and he sees the righteous and he hears the prayers of their righteous. Uh, Psalm 66, uh, verse 18, uh, King David says that uh, sin hinders his prayers, that, that it stops. God doesn't hear prayers if we cut, we cut ourselves off from God and do our own thing. Now look at a kind of a different perspective. You know, we, we saw what, what God was doing with his eyes and his ears and his face. Now, Look at Isaiah 64, verse 4. Isaiah writes, Since ancient times, no one has heard ears. No one uh, or ear has perceived. No eye has seen. This is the human's perspective looking at God. Have seen any God besides you who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. God wants to act. On our behalf, as we trust Him, as we wait for Him. Oh, this is the same God that is attentive to our prayers. And so if we pursue biblical community and following Christ, we need each other. We see that in verses 8 and 9. We need each other. God has a plan. The way we can cope is we, we need to stay connected. And let us work with God, not, not against Him. Look what the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 9. He says, however it is written, what, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared, prepared for those who love Him. 
the Apostle Paul is saying, I can only imagine. He could have written a song about that, couldn't he? He could have maybe even done a movie. I can only imagine what God has prepared for us. It's beyond our imagination. This life is not all that there is. We're going to get through COVID. We all have COVID fatigue, and some more than others. Um, We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And this has really been a tough year. It's been a very long year, and we need each other as we process things day by day. Um, Fatigue and COVID increases with pressure. Uh, increases the pressure we experience. And we don't have to take it out on other people. We don't have to take it out on our mate. We don't have to take it out on the nightly news. We can lean into Christ and we can help others. And so, I don't know what the coming days are going to bring, but we just need to stay connected. Um, Stay connected with Zoom. Stay connected with FaceTime. Stay connected with uh, Facebook Live. Check on each other. Call each other. Pray for each other. I want to close today with, a, I think it's a positive story uh, from an election in Vermont in 2018. And you know, we've just gone through election fatigue. I want you to look at one Republican and one Democrat in this video clip. So let's see that. Hartman found the perfect story on the road. In Lamoille County, Vermont, the fall colors are at their peak. Everywhere you look, bursts of Lucy Rogers green and Zach Mayo red, white, and blue. We don't need as much government. He's the Republican, yeah, and she's the Democrat. I'm pretty centrally focused on health care. They're competing for a state house seat, aggressively competing. Both have visited or plan to visit every single home in the district, all 2,000 plus. The locals say they've never seen anything like it. They're both all in. They're out talking to people. Knocking on a lot of doors. They both want to win in the worst way. But this highly competitive race took a dramatic turn recently. It happened during their debate when the candidates asked for a few extra minutes at the end to do something together. I'm not sure what it is. They stood up from their tables and began moving the furniture, preparing for what appeared to be some kind of musical performance. But I had no idea what. Great. Even the moderator didn't know. I don't believe anybody did. Indeed, what happened at the local library that night was completely unexpected and totally unprecedented. Because we asked them if we could have a few minutes at the end to play a duet. A duet. A duet. It strikes a chord, so to speak. Yeah. To say to the world that this is a better way. Democrat and Republican united in perfect harmony. There weren't enough tissues to go around. Very sweet and kind, and it just drew you into a different place. It marked a turning point for us. It gave me a lot of hope. It was what we really needed, what we had needed all along. The song they played that night, and for us again after, is about a deep yearning 
for a less competitive society. Hope you're not lonely without me. Their rendition so resonated with folks here in northern Vermont, we actually saw houses that had signs for both candidates. A clear indication that the winner of this race has already been decided. A landslide victory for civility. Steve Hartman on the road in Lamoille County, Vermont. That is pretty. That's a good story to end on this morning. It's possible to disagree without being disagreeable. I'd like to pray. Why don't you stand with me? Gracious Father, we just thank, uh, thank you for your word and um, the wisdom in it. And sometimes it makes us feel uncomfortable. We continue to learn from it. We are continue to be challenged by it. But we know your heart. We know that it is good and right and just and loving and merciful. Lord, help us to embrace kingdom values. Thank you for the church and uh, the, the privilege we have to serve you together and the relationships that we can have together. Help us to lean into building biblical community and loving each other and encouraging each other, serving each other, listening and being sympathetic. May we as a church honor you. Help us not to respond when we are hurt uh, with, with uh, a payback attitude with a desire to cause, bring hurt or harm to another person. Help us to learn to speak a blessing. Thank you, God, that you're not done with us. Help us as we continue adversity in our, uh, with adversity in our own world. Thank you so much uh, for the church and for those in our church who are serving on the front lines, uh, serving in healthcare, our doctors and nurses, and all those uh, others in healthcare. Thank you for uh, first responders like our police department and our fire department. Uh, as they undergo more and more stress. Help us in our homes as uh, we have uh, just different needs right now with being at home and with education happening mostly at home and so many things are virtual. Help us to be kind and patient with each other. Help us lean into you and know that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.